0: Welcome back to Nerds RPG Variety Cast. I'm your host, Jason. Today I have some listener comments, plus a conversation with Spencer from Keep Off the Borderlands about puzzles, and then we ramble off onto other topics. So let's get into it. Well, pops up a beer or a cold libation. Let me tell you how I wrote this little theme. I went and took a call from brother Jason, and he tells me that he has a little dream. He says he needs a backwards intro to begin his podcast, and I ask him, What you got? He said, I'll start up with some talking and some movie clips, some popcorn, fighting, fantasy explorations, and some groundness exploitation. Kickstarts that I'm watching and some blind unboxings, full-month or movie marathon. Sometimes I'll let the dogs come on, Contest and of course you know it's all about games. I said, slow down, let's just start with the name.
1: It's the Nerds RPG Variety Podcast. Okay.
0: The other just on the subject of puzzles, it looks like I may have misinterpreted Spencer or Free Thrall of Keep Off the Borderlands intention. Here was his original message
2: and the whole problem solving, escape the room type stuff that's always been a big part of it for me. I'm, I think that's what kind of drew me into adventure gaming. I've always favored the term adventure gaming over role playing not that I've ever really given it that much fault but um yeah it does surprise me when i hear people say they don't like the idea of puzzles or uh, and stuff like that in their in their gaming um i don't know maybe that stuff just isn't handled so well but um Yeah, yeah. It takes me right back to the old days of The Adventure Game, that BBC show that I did an episode about a couple of seasons ago uh, by a a guy who was really into D&D and wanted to bring it to a wider audience. So, uh, yeah, thanks.
0: So I took that to mean puzzles as far as what order to flip the levers. Now, I wasn't the only one to take it this way. Here's a series of messages. From Joe Richter of the Hindsightless and Wheeler Woe Podcast.
1: It's me again. Puzzles, dude. Yeah. (laughs) I love them. I love them, love them, love them. My group hates them. (laughs) They hate them, hate them, hate them. Uh, And I, I inflict them. I inflict puzzles upon my group because I am a malicious bastard and it's good for them but no I it's absolutely a group thing if they, if my group ever came to me and was like stop doing puzzles I would absolutely stop but they haven't yet so that's good because they're just they're fun but they're tricky and they're always harder to solve than the dungeon master thinks they will be because we already know the answers so it seems easy and obvious to us but when you're on the other side of it, it's a whole different ballgame. All right, back to the episode. So, some more on puzzles. Yeah, man, the whole puzzle design thing is interesting to think about, too. Because if you're going to have a puzzle in your game that the characters are going to be able to find a way to figure out through experimentation, then you can't make that experimentation be deadly or even really all that dangerous. Um, and if you're just going to have the puzzle be able to be solved through uh, player through player knowledge, then you have to, well, you don't have to, you don't have to do shit. Uh, you should probably have in some way for the players to get clues if they get stuck, because it, is so frustrating to just be sitting there, even as the Dungeon Master, when you know the answer to the puzzle and the players are just skirting around it, <laughs> and they' it's been going for a while, like yeah, and it's been going and going, and they're getting close to the answer, but they never quite get there. There's got to be some way for them to figure it out, uh, yeah, like I said, I've run a bunch of puzzles and had varying results, so <laughs> Yeah, I I'm definitely not an expert on them, but like I said before, I love them because I think they're fun. Though they are kind of different, you know. Generally, a lot of times they're solved with player knowledge. Sometimes modern day player knowledge. Like I've done, um, I've done a puzzle based on prime numbers, which I mean, granted, they've known about prime numbers for thousands of years, so it's not that modern, but. Yeah, would they do they know about prime numbers in the fantasy world? Maybe, probably. But anyway, man, I love puzzles. I'll forever keep them in my game, and I hope campaigns never go away. Peace out.
0: But Joe wasn't the only listener to call me about puzzles, so let's go to this next series of calls.
3: Hey, Jason, Daniel from Bandits Keep, listening to your episode here. You're talking about puzzles. So, my solution, if you want to call it that, is to generally go with the players needing to solve them, and not having them roll. However, I always make a way to get around the puzzle. That is, a puzzle is generally, for me, a shortcut. So if there are, let's say there's a statue that asks you a riddle, it's not that if you don't answer the riddle, you can't move forward through the dungeon. It's that if you do answer the riddle, you'll get either through this portal without having to fight it, or get a bit of information. So it's really a reward for solving it, not a penalty for not solving it because I right not everybody can solve a puzzle and you don't want to like make it so that people are feeling like they're getting the short end of the stick so to speak if they just can't do it so I always offer it as a benefit to solve not a penalty for failing to solve ran out of time there so um it's Daniel again so the other thing is I usually put or always put they don't always find it the solution to the puzzle in game as well so for instance I ran this whole set of uh, riddles where they found these scrolls with the with riddles on them, and the above it it said put the put the answers to the questions or something like that. And then at first they were looking at these riddles. They spent some time trying to figure them out, and they couldn't solve them all. Though they thought they solved some of them. And then they further in the dungeon they ran into a room that had uh, paintings on the walls, and the paintings were the answers. So as soon as they saw that, they were like, "Hold on, we know that riddle." I gave a really simple one that was like the moon or something. They were like hold on, this is a painting of the moon, this riddle's is, answer is the moon, and then they were able to deduce it there. So again, player skill, but the answer was there for them. And even some of the puzzles they really didn't know, they were able to make a very good guess based on what they saw before them. I guess my final thought on this, sorry, it's three messages, is that um, I find puzzles that are in pre-written adventures more difficult to run because they don't know your group, right? If you're writing your own adventures for your group, You can kind of make puzzles that you know your group will enjoy, but I think that that's why they've gone out of uh, style, let's say, in pre-written adventures. You don't see them as much, because I think that people buy a pre-written adventure and they run this puzzle and their group doesn't like it. But if you're working uh, your own adventures for your own group, I think puzzles can just be another really interesting thing. In fact, they can even give lore to your world that could be useful in future adventures.
0: Wow, mic drop. So, to be honest... Daniel's just dropped a ton of knowledge right there. Thank you so much. Of course, that's Daniel, uh, the Bandits Keep podcast and YouTube channel. He he does actual plays on his YouTube channel. Plus, he does about 20-minute segments where he talks about different things about BX and playing games. It's not all BX related. He does some generalized RPG stuff too. Even if you're not into APs, I'd recommend going checking out his advice videos. And if you like APs, I recommend checking those out. His podcast, he tends to talk, he's been talking about OD&D and using chainmail for combat over there. So he's kind of doing different things on YouTube and his podcast, and, and it's all great content. So I recommend you check all that out. Um, yeah, I, I, Daniel hit some really high points there. And I actually got these calls from Daniel after I recorded the conversation with Spencer that you're going to hear in a little bit. So we cover a little bit of the same ground without knowing it. So if you hear thoughts that Daniel said in the conversation I have with Spencer, I, I really didn't just lift the ideas from Daniel, I promise. But if I'd had Daniel's calls before my conversation with Spencer, we probably wouldn't have talked about puzzles as much and would have concentrated on movies because I, I think he nails it. So thank you so much for those calls, Daniel. Really appreciate it. At this point, you would think, hey, we got this puzzle thing licked. But then I received this call from Spencer where he, well, as he'll say here in the future, moved the goalposts a little bit.
2: And I don't know if puzzle is the best word to use. I mean, I know I used it, but I'm thinking more in terms of problem solving, presenting players with challenges that they might have to think creatively in order to negotiate them. I'm not thinking about situations where there's one specific answer I'm expecting the players to figure out because I don't know, that just doesn't feel like a good way to go. Um, I'm talking about putting things in the character's way, obstacles, uh, things they have to perhaps think creatively and maybe in different ways in order to negotiate them and rewarding them for that. And that doesn't mean penalizing people who may not think differently. Um, you know um just just offering something to the players that they might get something out of solving i guess what i'm saying is including things in your game that players might get a kick out of engaging with but they aren't going to be penalized by not engaging with them i hope that makes sense anyway enjoying the episodes um I look forward to hearing your thoughts. Take care, man. So, after receiving
0: that call from Spencer, I thought, what better way to get his views out than to get him on the show? So I did. Spencer, how are you doing?
2: Hello. Hi, Jason. Glad to be here.
0: I'm glad to have you. How's the family doing?
2: Are they, they're all good. Yeah, yeah, everything's ticking along. You know. Excellent. Uh, as good as can be. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, that's... And no complaints. You 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 may hear my dogs in the background a little bit. Sorry about that. Well,
2: I wouldn't be the same if they weren't there.
0: Right. Yeah. Maddie's back here, moaning. He'll he'll be
2: okay. At least but, I'm talking to the real Jason.
0: As far as you know, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so i I had misinterpreted your initial call, as I mentioned. So I've replayed part of your initial your original call from a couple of shows back where you mentioned puzzles, not everybody likes puzzles. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Mm. And then I played your most recent call-ins where you clarified your your thought process that you weren't talking about puzzles as in, you know, which lever do you throw, but puzzles as in challenges to throw the players. So I wanted to get you on the show. Instead of doing a bunch of calls back and forth, I figured why not just get you on the show and, and, and we can discuss it. Sure. You know, live. Um so I'll, I'll give you a chance to, to clarify your point, and then we can uh, well on puzzles, and then we can go from there.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not surprising that you misinterpreted maybe what I'd said because I wasn't particularly clear. And if I'm being honest, I think maybe I moved the goalposts a little bit there because when I first started talking about puzzles, I kind of maybe hadn't thought that through entirely. <laughs> And then <laughs> you okay.
1: <laughs> we're, we're good.
2: Good, good. And then kind of reflecting on that, I realized that I wasn't really talking about situations where there was one solution that the the the, the players had to find in order to progress. And um yeah, so so maybe. I shifted a little in what I was talking about, maybe more broadly thinking about challenges and putting obstacles in the ways, in the, in the way of players, and giving them the opportunity to come up with novel ways of solving problems. Because I definitely, Eric, go ahead. Sam. I was just going to say I, I think that certain players would get a kick out of that. I get that not everyone may want to engage in the thing on that level, but that's kind of the, that's the, the beauty of, uh, having a GM. You can, you know, you can, you can change things around and. Right. Um, that's, the,
0: that, that's what differs a role-playing game from a fighting fantasy. Book.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I- Mm-hmm. I th- I f- I felt that maybe you could factor in what you were talking about with uh, rolling against your intelligence if well, uh, and maybe doing that to gain more information maybe extra clues the GM could give you to maybe help you <laughs> progress it uh, it's it's kind of a movable uh situation isn't it
0: Right. Well, I think we're talking. We've got two different things here, and, and I think moving the goalposts did shift it. So Nick, when when you mentioned, and part of it is, of, of course, communications two way, right? You're sending yeah. your message, and I'm receiving. When I hear the word puzzle, and this is Jason internalizing, and also as my listeners have heard, Joe, um, Richter internalizing. But when we hear puzzle, we're thinking of what order to throw the thread levers, or. What order yeah. do we mix the chemical? We're thinking of a puzzle puzzle, right? Like you're yeah. in a puzzle room. How do I solve this puzzle room to get out of exactly. the puzzle room kind of thing,
2: right? yeah. And I did mention But you're
0: not that, talking yeah. about that. You're talking about uh, just challenge. Well, you're not exactly talking about that,
2: right? No, no. Yeah. I, yeah, I kind of shift. I shifted from talking about that to talk about challenges in a broader term, I think. Um, and that's, yeah, probably that's on me, really. Uh, maybe shifting in my seat a little, realising that um, uh, the, the, what I had in mind was, I, I, I referred to the Adventure Game, which was a BBC show in the mid-80s. Right, right. Uh, a guy called Patrick Dowling was a big DD fan, and he wanted to bring some of that to a wider audience. And he came up with a show where contestants – it's it's kind of like an escape the room thing, so there were puzzles there that did have solutions that they had to find in order to progress. So I guess what I had in mind was kind of what you're saying there, you know, finding the right order for levers and things like that. So yeah, I I I, I get that. But what's interesting about that show is that there were kind of uh, there there were people there who were like NPCs, who were able to prompt the people playing the game if they were, ever got stuck or you know give them extra hints and stuff.
0: Right, and there are full episodes of the Adventure Game on YouTube. All right, I will. I can include a link to the first episode, but I of course I never watched it back in the day. So if you want to look on there and find an episode you think is a particularly good example, if you have a chance. Yeah, yeah. Um, and shoot me that. I'll include it in the show notes. Otherwise, I'll just include links of the first okay. episode. But if, you, but if you want to send me a specific one, I'll, I'll include that I, I
2: in stress that it's extremely dated. This is very cheap British TV as kind of sub Doctor Who style production values, you know. And I'm talking no, no, about it's old great. Doctor it's, Who. Yeah, not a problem. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, it's, it might it might come across as a little bit slow to the modern audience, but I'll, I'll see if I can come up with something interesting.
0: Yeah, if you want to look, just looking, you and I'll include I'll include a link in the show notes either way. But if I can include one that you think you know is a, be, a good example, I'd sure, like to do that. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah, I well, I think we have two things going on here, right? We have puzzles. And we have challenging the players. And and I don't think you and I are that different on, on where we stand here no, no. because I agree with you as far as challenging the players, giving them. So, like when I design adventures, I don't have a way to win an adventure. Yeah. Right. Or I, I'm saying that poorly, but w- when I design a, a challenge for the players or, or put a scenario forth, there's not one way
2: to win it. Exactly. That. Yeah, and, yeah.
0: You know, I'll set the scenario up and then whatever the players come come out with and figure out how to do it mm. great. so you played in my um my cyberpunk game the, the altered or no it was yes yeah altered yeah. state, I, state. yeah cyberpunk and i i put you guys in you know each session i put you in different scenarios mm. and i never had a solution like this is the one way to get out of that scenario you know sometimes you guys were like in a room and you blew a hole in the wall and ran through the back of the building yeah yeah other times you would in Intimidate somebody and take their car to get all. You did all kinds of different things, and that was great. And and I never had a solution. I just riffed off what the players wanted to do. So I I think you and I are on the same shoot of music as far as challenges go.
2: The, yeah, yeah. and that's the, a good example because I mean, you you played that same scenario with two different groups, didn't you? And we both approached it in very different styles.
0: Right, and that was the great part of it. You know, I just because all I did was do the setup. And then I just went with the way the group wanted to do it Mm. or, you know, reacted off what the group wanted to do. When I prep for games, I I think of the NPCs and their motivations and what their plan is, but I don't, you know, I don't have solutions. I, I just, then whatever the players do, I have the, I try to have my NPCs react the way I think they would. Yeah. And, and, you know, and then depending what the PCs do, I might have a rough timeline on how long the NPCs plan will take to, you know, to fully enact and whether the PCs interact with it or not. Cause if you guys want to just go drink in the bar all day, you could do that. But the bad guy might, you know, complete whatever his nefarious plan is. Sure. But, um, yeah. I, I mean, that was the case I did recently. You weren't in this game, but I, I talked about it recently. I did a space cowboy game and they had, um, there's a evil doctor who was doing biological experiments. And, and when they were questioning him and he was getting defensive, he presented them a, you know, fire extinguisher and told them it was an acid thrower, and you know, right. just trying to get them out of the room. And they believed <laughs> him, and they didn't test it. And it, right. you know, if the players had tested it, they would have figured out it was just. Fire. <laughs> or even even if they had examined it, you know, said, yeah, "Well, I'm going to yeah. you know look at the writing on here," but but they didn't. So when no. they tried to use the acid thrower on the uh, monster, well, it didn't work out so well. Just yeah, <laughs> but but it was all fun, and they enjoyed that. So, yeah, I think on challenges, we're in the same shooting music as far as puzzles go. I, I do think you can have puzzles in a game. Mm. It, it really depends on the players. And, and I so for challenges, I don't think there's it where you asked about having a role under intelligence, give players clues. I, I mean, if if players are totally stuck in a game and they don't know where to go, then, yes, I'm going to try to help them out. You, you know, yeah,
2: yeah. That's, for the most that's... part. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was, just, I was just going to say that's going to be no fun for anyone involved, is it?
0: Right. So, and, and I'm perfectly happy, and I, I probably shouldn't admit this, but as a GM, I will modify the scenario as we go, if needed, to fit what's going on. Well, yeah, sure. It, you know, so if the players go off on a total tangent and don't pick up on the main mystery or go, go do something else, then that's going to end up being the game. Because that's
2: what's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of the benefits of having a real-life GM, right? not not playing a computer game where you've, you know, if you, you can't find the right way out of something, you're stuck, and there's no no progression.
0: Right. As anybody that ever played the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy text game back, <laughs> yeah, in, I don't know, was that the 80s or 90s? I don't know if you yeah, ever played that. Yeah, it was that, very early,
2: yeah.
0: if, you if you didn't do the right thing, you never got, you, you know, Earth was just destroyed with you on
2: it. Well, that's it. I don't think I ever got out of the house before it was demolished.
0: Right, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah,
2: I I, I know we're that's, dating ourselves. That's, that, but... that's, before, that's before the adventure even starts. So Right, yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. But with puzzles, it's a little bit different. Um, because some players do like puzzles and, and I think puzzles have a place in RPGs, mm. but, but I think you have to be careful with them because it, you can really frustrate players if they're not good at them. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? Or, or, cause not everybody's mind works the same way and, and it's not fair. I don't think it's fair to penalize somebody that wants to participate if they're just not good at putting together the clues, you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my thought, even like in a a Cthulhu or a mystery game, is the you you should give the players the basic clues, you know. And if if they don't come, if they don't intuitively jump to it on your own, then then use the GM say, well, your character realizes that, you know, Edwin Smith Inc is the biggest printer in the in the country or or whatever, right? Yeah, you should yeah. give them the things that, pl- that player knowledge. Mm. And you should give them those clues now. If they roll good or they do a good job, you might give them extra. But you should always give them enough to be able to to deal with the situation. There should never yeah. be you failed your roll, so you don't find this clue, so you can't finish the adventure. Mm. That's just mm. that's just bad GMing, in, in my opinion. But puzzles right. are a little bit different, and, and some players really do like that idea of fitting the pieces together. But I am am where I get stuck is if you get not all your players like that how do you balance that that out so you mm. don't end up with players at a board you know
2: yeah yeah well i i i guess yeah not by not making it too complicated not too drawn out maybe and i guess it is about finding that balance isn't it doing enough that's going to keep the the puzzle guy interested without boring the hell out of everyone else. Right.
0: And 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 it's always going to be group dependent, you know, depending mm. on the interaction, you know,
2: because
0: like you and I tend to be, I, I think it's fair to say, we're social gamers. So for the most part, we would be, if, if we joined a session and all we did was banner back and forth between the players, we'd be happy.
2: Exactly, exactly. In fact, I've sat in games where I, I may not have said anything for about an hour just because of mm-hmm. what's going on. I, you know, I'm still enjoying myself, you know? Right.
0: I, yeah, I don't care if there's combat or if there, you know, I'm happy for the, now if it's GM just talking for half an hour, that that's no fun. But if it's interaction between everybody, yeah,
2: Yeah.
0: that's why I play. So Mm. I'm happy with that, but not all players are like that. Some players, you know, expect to combat every, every session, you know, so you have to know your players. Mm. I I do think it's, it's okay though. If the, if you're doing a real puzzle, you know, what order through three levers and the players get stuck. I, I think doing something like roll under your intelligence, and then give them a clue or, you, you know, saying, okay, you got yeah. the first lever. I, I don't think that's wrong way to play.
2: Mm. I, I, I think know. maybe presenting, you know, if, if they can't progress past the, the lever part, then there's got to be something else for them to do some way for them to progress in, some direction they might not be able to get into that particular secret room or whatever but the the adventure is not going to hinge on them getting what's in that room otherwise i think that's the key to it right yeah 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 you're making it impossible for you for yourself it's no fun for the gm either
0: right and that just comes down to good adventure adventure design or Hmm. being a, a a flexible enough gm to adjust that if they don't get into the secret room that has the key to the room, the princess is locked in then you're, you're going to have to give them a different way to get in that room. The princess is in. So, yeah. I, the other thing I I think, and this is on me, I, I probably used a bad example, but we had talked the, the other big thing and you called in about was the idea of player versus character, player skill versus character skill. Yeah. And the yeah. idea of physical versus mental.
2: Mm.
0: And there, there's a game and I meant to look at it before we started this call and I forgot to do it. I, I There's at least one role playing game out there and, and I'll find it and, and make a note after our interview, but where they don't have mental skills because they're like, well, you're, you can't, it's impossible to play, you, you know, it's impossible to play a character that's dumber than you or this or that. So we're not going to provide mental skills at all, and I'll look the name of that game up and mention it later. But but it, and I think they're wrong. I think you can role play a character that's maybe not as as smart, or maybe a little bit smarter than you. But I but it can be tough, right? Yeah, yeah. But I think there. But you bring up that there's a difference between physical and mental stats as far as player and character skill. And so I wanted to give you a chance to expound on that. And mm. and I gave the example of, of wrestling. Like if you, you know, with puzzles, the idea that if you, you know, the character, if the player is not smart to figure out the puzzle out then they're stuck. And if the, you know, why, if the player doesn't know wrestling moves, do we not make them stuck in combat? And, and that wasn't really a fair comparison, but I wanted to give you a chance to, to
2: talk well, to that. I, yeah. I kind of, I, I saw what you were getting at. And that, that, that does make sense. And um, but, but I guess what I was saying was that if, if the GM did that to a group and said, you know, you need to know wrestling moves in order to engage in combat, well then that's kind of, that's the game written off, isn't it? For any player that doesn't know how that works. Whereas if you're playing a game and there happens to be a puzzle in it and the players get stuck on that puzzle, well, then, you know, the GM's there to help them out or make, be, make it less important or, you know, whatever they want to do.
0: Well, and I think this goes back to the whole Session Zero talk to some degree, right? Because mm-hmm. if we're going to play a game where we're, you know, we're um, luchadors that are fighting crime, uh, for if if anybody doesn't know... And you're probably not listening to my podcast if you don't know, but a luchador, you know, that's a Mexican wrestler, kind of mass mm. wrestler, kind of thing. Yeah. But the but if we're playing a game of luchadors fighting crime, and the idea is we're going to describe those moves, and we talk about that before the game, then it might be realistic to expect the players to to know a couple wrestling moves, maybe not in depth, you're right? But be able yeah. to say things yeah. like, "Oh yeah, why well, you know, pick them up? I grab them in full Nelson, or I do this or that, right?" Yeah, and the same thing with puzzles. If in the session zero, you know, it's discussed and said, "Hey, how do you guys feel about puzzles? Is it okay if I include puzzles?" And if three quarters of the party says, "No, I don't want puzzles in the game," then maybe you leave them out of that game,
2: mm. right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just. No, but uh, I. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, I thought of a good example of that in the sense that are you familiar with the game? I think it's Fear, where it uses yeah. a Jenga tower.
0: Oh it's not fear it's dread
2: dread, a dread sorry, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and see now I couldn't play that because i've I don't have good fine motor skills that would be you know if I turned up at a game and they said right well, we're gonna have to play you know you're gonna have to use a jenga tower in order to play the game, I'd have to you know that would be me out
0: right there are board games that are that are um Dexterity based. Yeah, dexterity. I've got a number of board games that are flick yeah, games yeah. where you have little discs and you flick them and try mm, to hit other mm. discs. Yeah, and and so yeah. If you so if you were coming over to my house, then obviously I don't want to break break Jenga no, out. No, I mean I'd love out, to be able right?
2: to play that sort of stuff, but yeah, it's just just beyond beyond my capabilities. So yeah, well, yeah. Wait, it's it's
0: just, so that goes back to the whole know your group kind of thing, I guess.
2: Mm, um, yeah. Yeah.
0: But I think there is an interesting discussion, and I know Arlen Walker over at Live from Pelham's Wasteland has made this argument on his podcast, the idea that he really dislikes making people role-play social situations. I don't think he has an issue with people role-playing social situations. But he doesn't want the game's outcome to be determined by the by the player's ability to role play the situations.
2: Yeah, yeah. If
0: I said that correctly,
2: I, I get that. I get that. If you've got a character who's a high charisma, but you you know you can't fast talk or whatever, you can't think of something to say in a particular situation, then it doesn't make sense that your character should also be stuck in that position because they've got a high charisma
0: right and i'm a big fan of the idea that as long as you try if yes then i'm going to give you the bonus for for all that right mm. and, and and long ago in fact in a game that you played in i i you guys eventually got passed but one of the players kind of fumbled a little bit on in the social part and i was a bad gm because i kind of you know penalized them for it because they were trying and i I, but I gave them a hard time because they, they they weren't doing a great job. So I had the NPCs push back against them, and I probably right. shouldn't have. So I feel bad about that. So I'm much more in well, the camp of...
2: Well, I, I wouldn't, yeah, but I wouldn't say that was, you know, bad GMing. I, I think you probably reflected on that and thought, maybe I could have handled that differently, but... I mean, one, a situation springs to mind, I think, in one of Dave Aldridge's games. there he's a great GM, but there was a situation we were trying to enter a building. There was a row of guards, and we kind of challenged the guards, and it seemed obvious to us that we were never going to be able to get into this building. So we turned around and went off somewhere else. And I think Dave was disappointed that we'd kind of given up that that easily. Mm-hmm. And decided that, Oh, oh we, obviously we're not meant to be going this way. Whereas I think he wanted us to, you know, maybe try a few different things to, to get to this location.
0: Yeah. I, well, it's like, you know, I, so I've, I, have i am not a big actual play fan, but I listened to the actual play for the elder Torgan episode where you guys, you know, Oh yeah. dropping yeah. an atomic bomb or it's like Cambridge or whatever. Mm. And, um, so I'm not sure what you, how you guys really could have there, – there are things, I guess, you could have done a little bit differently, but, but yeah, the, the odds were stacked pretty hardly, pretty badly against yeah. you, it seems like, from listening. I, Mind you, listening to the actual play, I know a lot's been cut out. And,
2: yes. And I, and yeah, I wasn't that's there true. in person, so, so I totally understand <laughs> that. But, What's interesting about that is that it seemed a lot of the decisions we made actually helped things progress you know, we were helping out the cultists without realizing it. We were right. destroying things that they wanted to destroy. We were thinking they were trying to protect these things, but they weren't. They were trying to, you know, break these things open in order to get to stuff inside them. And
0: Yeah, and, like and, and, you know, there was the wavy line marking and this and that. So I guess there were some hints about that being a bomb, but... <laughs>
2: Yeah, maybe there's yeah. a lot
0: more in the actual game that w- didn't make the recording, um, and I'm not picking on Barney. I, Barney, I've played in Barney's games before. the oh, well, he's a great GM. I really love playing his games. Mm. I love playing beside him as well. He's he's a great role player all around.
2: I mean, it was. I mean, it was a really good fun experience. I think it all caught, came out of left field. the The fact that it was a bomb in the end. I don't think any of us tweaked that that's what was going on. Um, but uh, yeah, even getting wiped out at the end, that was all good fun.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, it's always, that's why I say it's always fun and, 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 and I'm looking forward to, I'm glad that he's going to release that system as part of the um, upcoming Zine Quest.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll be in on that one, I think.
0: Yeah, I, I, I will yeah. too. I, I got to play in one of those games. It wasn't, it's not being put out for an actual play, I don't think, but um, it was a
2: lot. A lot of no, fun. no, it was, sounds like quite an interesting session that I uh yeah. following the conversation afterwards and uh yeah sounds like there's really in-depth stuff going on there
0: definitely so well so was there any anything else i and any other this is going to sound um, harsher than i mean it any other views i misinterpreted that we need to clarify
2: no 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 there was there was something that um crossed my mind sort of on a similar subject i don't know whether it's kind of no, go going for off at a tangent but i was watching ben milton uh questing uh-huh. beast he reviewed a uh an adventure called xanadu oh i haven't seen and that. uh yeah, it's, a, it's i think it's the latest one he's put out and um yeah it's a really really good adventure by the looks of it but there's a, a bit in it there's a puzzle in there that kind of looks like it's laid out like a sort of hex flower. But in order to complete the puzzle, it's all about just rolling dice to get to the next bit. It's almost like a random maze. Mm. And he kind of said, well, he didn't see any point in it because basically the players, there's no kind of player knowledge or character knowledge involved in completing the puzzle, it's just all on random dice rolls, and he didn't really see what that was doing, other than just holding up play. You know,
0: that's interesting. Yeah, and and mm. so I may have misstated my my point last time about the puzzles. I, I think you know players should try to solve them, like the which they'll worry the levers or whatever. But if they get really stuck and they want to. You know, and their character should be good at that because they're a a wizard with a seventeen intelligence or whatever. And I then I think you let them make a role as a character to try to solve it, and you let them move past. You you know, because what you don't want to do is punish the player by, well, I'll give you a clue, and then if the player can't doesn't grasp that clue because you weren't clear enough or they just didn't get it, it, eventually the you're gonna get to point where the player's feeling stupid or not but you know the, the, you don't want to demean the players or make them feel like they're not smart no, when you're playing. No. C- cause, cause definitely there are going to be areas that that player is smarter than you, the GM are, you know, it, they might oh, be a course. musician yeah. and, and use yeah. GM or tone deaf, you know? So, mm. and, and you n- never want to make a player feel like, like they're, they're too dumb to move forward or they just can't get it. So, so that's kind of where I was coming from with the idea of rolling, but, but I, but yeah, I don't think just rolling to solve it. I mean, at that point, what's the point if you're just rolling dice? I'll include yeah, link to that. Yeah. I, I, I just looked on YouTube. It's a twelve minute video. Came out six days ago from the time we're talking. And I, right. I will include a link to that in the in the show notes. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, but, cool. cool. But on, on the strength of your your, your um, backing it all uh, or not your backing your recommendation, I'll include that in the show notes. Um but yeah, sure. I, I don't I, I don't see a use in puzzles where all you're doing I take that back. One instance where just rolling to solve the puzzles might be applicable is if there's a time crunch and there's other factors
2: involved. Yes. If yeah. if
0: you're fighting opponents off and you're trying to solve this puzzle or the room's flooding or, you know, if there's other things yeah, that happening, I, mm. I can see that, right?
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: But if it's just you standing in the room and there's no other, nothing else happening, then then all you're doing is wasting game time.
2: Mm. No, that's right. That's right.
0: Yeah, but, but if it's in addition to other dramatic things happening, I, I think it's valid. I, I, I could yeah. definitely see, like I say, in the case where you're holding the orcs off and you're trying to get the door open, you know, you're a Moria and you're trying to open the door to get to the next, out of the room, mm-hmm. or you're holding them off, or you're, but like I say, the room's flooding and you're trying to figure out how to, how to open the tunnel before you get, to, you drown or something like that. I think that's, that could be interesting.
2: Yeah, yeah. So.
0: Great. Well.
2: Well, hey, thank you so much for joining us. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for inviting me. Yeah, and
0: and, and hopefully you you've, you're not getting any more flack on the thief
2: thing. Over in your, your, your <laughs> well, I got, I got no, no, and to be fair, I don't think I I came in for a lot of flack. I only really had uh, a couple of sort of dissenters, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, I've had I've had more support, I think, rather than. Uh, Rather than, the, you know, people being against against the idea of trying to rescue the thief. But that's no, you know, it was all completely, as I say, I had no horse in the race. I know you're not a fan of the thief. And, you know, whenever I've played a thief, I haven't lasted a session, I don't think. So, I, uh, yeah. I so get the I, point. I
0: like the idea of the thief if you're going to. I, I do think other other character types should be able to try to hide in shadows and move silently and yeah. if, if there's oh, yeah. no thief yeah. in the party, you shouldn't be able to try to do this yeah. or that. I like the idea of thief skills being on hold on one second, they're all barking. Uh but I like the idea of these skills being on top of the other. So you have a normal attempt that everybody can make. Yes. The thief has a has their skills on top of that. I, I like that because if there's not a thief in, because like I say, originally there weren't thieves, you, you know, no, no. and people got past those, those obstacles somehow or another. I guarantee yeah. you before the Greyhawk supplement came out, people were hiding in shadows, ambushing monsters in the hallways. Oh yeah. You, yeah. you know, I mean, there's no way they weren't. Yeah. So the, the I, I guess the issue I have with thieves is when it comes down to the idea that other player, other characters, can't ever try those things. And, and by the same token, if you had, I wouldn't let another player turn undead, right? Not the way a cleric can. Well, but is, if another player was there, and you had a vampire coming up on them, and they held up a holy symbol, and say a paladin held up a holy symbol, or somebody that that had role played their character is, is religiously devout throughout, you know, and and you, you know wouldn't matter whatever the holy their holy symbol is, I would as a GM, I would allow that to, to hold a vampire at bay. You you know Mm. what I mean? I, I, I I wouldn't necessarily have it turn them as a cleric, but like in the movies, like you think Dracula, anybody could hold up the cross and hold Dracula at bay,
2: right? Some effect. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Or if you're looking at the, you know, I mean, if it's a Jewish vampire, you'd have to hold up the, the sorry, David, right? What was that? The the fearless, what was that in fearless vampire?
2: Have you ever seen that? I've not seen that one. No. Oh yeah.
0: So, so it's, so, with a caveat, it's Roman Polanski. So, whether you want to give him money or not, but that said,
2: well, well, I won't be paying for it. <laughs>
0: yeah, but but it's interesting. It's it's not great. A lot of the humor falls flat in that movie. Mm. Right, but right. it's a really interesting movie. I I think it's worth seeing if you can watch it. If you have the the opportunity to see it, right, I do yeah. think it's worth yeah. seeing. It's beautiful landscapes. You know, it, it's like in the winter, and it's it, it it's a really neat movie. Um, but it's not I. To me, and your humor may be different. You you may find the humor works for you,
2: but, right? Right.
0: But for me, a lot of the humor felt flat. In it, but it um, yeah. It's 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 a really interesting movie. Um, hmm. and I would recommend checking it out if yeah. if you haven't seen it. If you like, if you know the tropes for the vampire stuff now, and the other caveat in there, there there is a little bit of um, I I, I don't know. I say with um Homosexual bashing, but like, like the, like, I forget what the main character, the main vampire's name is. Basically, like his son basically is homosexual. So he like advances, he makes advances towards one of the male characters. Right. So, and and the way that's presented potentially is offensive. So I'll, I'll throw Incesive, that out. There. Yeah,
2: yeah. But it's
0: a 68 movie, a 67 movie. So it's what it is. But, and of right. course, Sharon Tate's, you know, gorgeous in there, which again is insensitive on my part, but it's what it is. But, <laughs> But no, I think it's a really interesting movie and I do recommend it, you know, with those caveats that, yeah, you're watching right. a, a movie from the 60s and it's got those sensibilities and all that. But yeah, I, I especially like you is a film buff like you are. I, I think you would mm. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts. If you ever yeah. Get well, to see
2: yeah, it. I was not familiar with that. I will seek it out.
0: It's really interesting because it's yeah, yeah. like they want to do the comedy thing. but And I'm curious if it's just my sense of humor. But it kind of falls flat in places where and other comedies that era don't for me, like Pink Panther movies, I you know, and the
2: Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I
0: watch a lot of that stuff. I right? and, yeah. and I don't have any issue with it. But mm. although, you know, talk about the insensitivity thing. And I know this has nothing to do with what we were talking about before, but on um, I don't know, we have streaming TV, like I don't know if what you have over there, but we have like Hulu and we have different services over here. Yeah, yeah. And so like the Carol Burnett show, which I don't know if I ever showed over there if you're familiar with that at all.
2: Uh, the name rings a bell. it was a variety show that played over here where the show
0: was like an hour long and they had different skits. Right. And, you, you know, and watching that, all those shows from that time period were were very, and they were very, you know, you, you hear in conservative, conservative media a lot, well, the idea that, oh, well, the, you know, the homosexuals have been pushing this agenda the whole time, right? Or it's, you know, yeah, but... But when you watch that show, it's very much, you know, they're they're always the butt of the jokes. Yes, in, the, well, in those shows back then. I think,
2: yeah, yeah. When you're dealing with comedy and you're dealing with stereotypes, and you know, you're painting things with broad strokes, it's yeah, yeah. You're gonna you're gonna come across problems when you, are you know, viewing it from a different era. Yeah, yeah,
0: I mean, it's it's just going in there and. You have to go in there and, and, and accept that that's what it was back then, you, mm. you know, yeah. and not that yeah. those. And because I bet you, the majority of those actors, knowing who they are and looking at what else they've done in their life, were not really, you know, they, they weren't phobic or, or racist or any of these. Things. No, but, no,
2: just probably not considered but it was just the material the, that they were using. The implications of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: They, they, I had to explain to my So my wife's watching that. And there's a, so Lucille Ball was guest starring on there. So they had Lucille Ball and Cara Burnett and yeah. they were on lunch break in the skit and they go to this Argentinian, Argentinian restaurant. And you probably already know what's going to happen. But so of course the, the maitre d' is, well, you, you know, he's obviously German. He's supposed to be Nazi because as, as you and I, you know, remember the, right. you know, you had all the Nazis went down to tried to yeah. escape down yeah. there. And, and but, but I had to explain to her why you had Germans you, you you know in, in the Argentine restaurant, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder how much that that falls through with today's audiences. Probably not a lot.
2: <laughs> no, no, you're probably right. No. But, oh well. That's, anyway, I'm often watch weeds. the boys from Brazil. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, <laughs>
0: which actually is a, is a, is a good movie. There.
2: Yes, it is a great
0: movie. I, I don't know. I, I really there, there are good movies made today. I'm not saying there aren't, but I I really like the older stuff. It, it, I, that's probably just
2: a nostalgia thing. It's probably a getting older, thing. But I, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I, you know, I think things, you know, movies were a different pace. Um, I think that has a lot to do with it. It's a, you know, although you know, there's still good stuff being made now. It's just difficult to find. Well, that's true. Anybody <laughs> well, else well, wants so to watch I... it? <laughs> and,
0: and, and I guess the tone and some of the stuff. So if you look back, I don't know if you've watched.
2: Um, true to any of the true detective series Uh, no not yet it is on my to-do list
0: so the so it's really dark subject at least especially the first season's the best because you have matthew mcconaughey and woody harrelson
2: yeah it's quite uh, a cthulhu-esque isn't it
0: it, it, there's a lot of references in there it never really ties together it's just the ranting of a man cult kind of thing but yeah and and it's quite dark like it's not a you know i mean there's you know, crimes against children and women and things like that in there. But the reason to watch that show isn't the plot. It's to watch McConaughey and Harrelson's acting. And everybody in that show does a really good job, but McConaughey and Harrelson just knock it out of the park. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and you know, as, as a buff, you would really enjoy that. It's They do such a good job. It's amazing. I, I really rewatched it. And, and the story's good enough, but their acting. They just and harrelson i think woody harrelson gets um he doesn't get the credit he was yeah
2: i think he's yeah underappreciated as an actor i think yeah yeah
0: definitely because i mean he does like comedy and this and that but in this show like you like there's a scene in there i'm I'm not ruining anything because it comes up you know really quickly but and and i think it's pretty obvious but yeah there's a scene where he like cheats on his wife and she confronts him or she's talking about it and Mm. when you see look on his face he's trying to like you, you know push it under the rug and Oh no! This was just that, honey. Nothing, you know. I love you, honey. In this, but he, he just does such a good job. He, he really is a great actor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, anyway, yeah. If you get a chance, to watch yeah. that. I, I definitely recommend True to Detective to season one if you don't mind darker stuff. Like it is, it's a pretty dark subject matter.
2: Yeah. No. And, no. I can. You know. I, yeah. I, I quite is is enjoy the right word probably not, but um, yeah. I can watch that. Kind of. You can appreciate it, like I say. It's yes, and, yes.
0: And the interaction, and again, it's it's like, like I was talking about role playing games. Just watching those two characters interact—that's the reason to watch that show. Well, yeah, watching yeah. Harrelson and McConaughey bounce off each other is
2: great. Yeah. Oh, and,
0: and in like the fourth or fifth episode, I think the fourth episode maybe there's a um, like a ten minute long single take. That's really good, like an action scene where they're, right. they're running through an area i don't want to give it away but but it's like 10 minutes long it's, it's really good A single take action scene where they they really do a good job and the music so t-bone burnett i don't know if you
2: you know who he is um no it doesn't ring any bells but
0: don't ring any bells to the <laughs> so my my listeners may or may not know who he is but i will help you here t-bone burnett is a Is mainly famous because he was a guitarist in Bob Dylan's band in the seventies. Oh right, yeah, yeah. But he's done a lot of music since then, including things like "Oh Brother Where Art Thou,"
2: "Achy Heart," inside "Lewin
0: Davis," "Walk the Line." He's done all kinds of stuff. But he does he does the um, music for for that for at least the first two seasons of American Dad. He does the music, and the other good thing about the first season is one director does all the episodes, so you have a continuity. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's really good. Mm. Cool. Well, well, hey, I, I really appreciate you joining me. I'm sorry I kind of went off in the weeds there.
2: No, mm-hmm. no. I look, if I wasn't prepared to go off in the weeds, I wouldn't come on your show. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much, and I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go now. Um, thanks very much for for uh, yeah indulging me, and uh, yeah, thanks for uh out. Oh no, thank out.
0: you, thank you for and, and anybody that's hearing this, if you have. If, if you ever play it, send me a message and you think i've misrepresented or or you want to have more to say about it let me know i'll you know we'll we'll get you on the show live so you can describe you know get, get your feelings out there and i
2: want i just want to stress i'm not i'm not here to clear my name i'm
0: oh no no not at all we're clearing my name because i misrepresented. no 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 this is no but i don't, i don't want to ever and i've like i've had Laren on the show before. For the oh, same no, thing,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. It, sure. It's
0: it's yeah. important to me to make sure I'm not misrepresenting people. Oh, I know, well, what no, they're saying. Well,
2: so,
0: okay, well, we'll take it's it been easy, a pleasure. take care of the family. Thank you. Yeah, thanks and I'll much. talk to you
2: again soon. And you, hope you're you're all all well there, and say say hi to the dogs.
0: Oh, definitely will, definitely will. Thank you, Spencer. Cheers. Bye. So during the conversation, I said I would look for this RPG that didn't have mental stats, and I think that was a. I have a ton of games. Some are more joke games. Some are more serious games. Some are throwaway one-shots, beer and pretzels games. I think the one I'm thinking of was more of a beer and pretzels style. But I did find a serious game that does not have intelligence. And that is King Arthur Pendragon. And this is the version, you know, the current version of it. Now, there's a sixth edition coming out. But what I'm going to read to you now comes from the 5.2 version. And there's a... Comment here on page 37 about why there's no intelligence in this game. Note that no attributes are given for intelligence or any form of wisdom, astuteness, or wit. This is because it's a knight's duty to act, not to think. All kidding aside, though, since a player controls every character, it is that player's intelligence that dictates the character's goals and actions, not an arbitrary number on a character sheet. Thus, in a sense, the player is the character's intelligence score. Now, this is kind of what I exactly what I was trying to say when I was talking to Spencer. This is not the game I was referencing. I'm pretty positive, but it's close enough. I also found when I was doing a quick internet search, the Angry GM, and I know some people don't like the Angry GM, but the Angry GM has a post up where he talks about mental scores and... And whatnot. So I'll link that in the show notes as well. Okay, that's the show. Thank you for joining me. I want to thank Joe Richter for calling in. I want to thank Spencer for calling in and, you know, joining me with the conversation. I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in. Thank you to Ray Otis for the thumbnail art. Thank you to TJ Drennan for the music. If you have any comments or suggestions or you want to complain about something or whatever. You can use the Anchor app to call and leave me a message. You can reach me at nerdsrpgvarietycast at gmail.com. If you send an email, I'll read it on the air. Or if you attach an audio file, I'll play that. You can also find me on various discords. Or if for some reason you can't find the Keep Off the Borderlands podcast or find Spencer on various social media, you can reach out to me and I will put you in touch with him. So lots of things you can do. But for me, what I'm going to do is get on out of here. Take care, everybody.
1: Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone?
0: Who's on the phone? Who's on the phone? Maybe it's your auntie or a joke about your spouse, but the operator's screaming it's coming from inside the
3: house. What's in the box, what's in the box, what's in the box, what's in the box? Well, the audience is pretty sure he took a pretty head, and the only question
0: left
1: is if I could see the dead. Bring on the gold,
3: bring on the gold, I want some Here is a dustbin and your moral is by the tipper
0: And I'm assuming that's your partner back there in the woods, shipper Don't look away, don't look away Don't look away, don't look away Well the zombies are arising and the world has gone to hell. We're living for the dying and we're dying for the train wreck.